When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into 49ers Access. My name is Sterling Bennett, and today, May 22nd of 2023, marks day number one of the San Francisco 49ers OTAs. Today is day one. Tomorrow, Tuesday, May 23rd, is day number two. I will be going to at least Tuesday's OTAs to see Trey Lance's retooled mechanics, to see the unquestioned quarterback number one, Sam Darnold, but to kick off what is essentially the beginning, if the draft already isn't, the beginning of a new San Francisco 49ers season, the beginning of the 2023-2024 NFL season for the San Francisco 49ers. They get to see new players come, some players go, some veteran players come in, some players get traded and to kick off OTAs, essentially. We are going to dive in to which players, I'll give you five, maybe even sprinkle in a sixth, which six players are currently on the San Francisco 49ers roster bubble coming into day one, day two of OTAs. How much do they have to prove? Might be a ton, might be a little, and who could be cut potentially at the end of OTAs and training camp, which five to six players should we, as fans, as writers, as journalists, as listeners, should we be looking for to say, hey, they might be on their way out the door if they do not get things together. So let's kick off starting at number five. And we're going to start five to one, build our way up to the number one player I think could be out of the door, or at least is on the, the tip of the iceberg of the roster bubble, and we'll go from five to one, starting at number five. And of course, we have to start with the quarterbacks, Trey Lance. Now, I want to use this time to discuss what was reported last week by Matt Barrows of The Athletic. Great reporter, great article. And basically what it was detailing was the fact that Trey Lance's mechanics were essentially... Or, 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 or the rehauling of his mechanics were put on hold as soon as he broke his finger in week three of the preseason in 2021 against the Raiders. That hurt how he held the football, his arm placement, and then when he broke his ankle last year against Seattle week two, that kind of, again, rehalted the, the progression of his mechanics. Now, they didn't look too bad last year in OTAs, in training camp. I was there, I saw it, you saw it on television it looked like there were some small tweaks that still needed to be made. There was progression that needed to be made, but it did feel like that Trey Lance was making progression to, you know, fix the mechanics, the mechanical issues that he had. And so I think in this OTAs, we've heard 
all offseason long how awful you know the the trade rumors have been he's going to minnesota he's going to tennessee some guys even predicted he would get traded i think trey lance to me is the furthest in if you would of the roster bubble he is of these players the least likely to get cut to get traded because san francisco needs a if not a starting quarterback they need a number two quarterback behind them, which would be Sam Darnold, and of course, eventually, hopefully, Brock Purdy. But I want to take the time here to discuss what Trey Lance needs to prove. And we've talked about it plenty of times recently on this podcast. You've heard it, you know, many other areas and avenues when it comes to Niners media. But Trey Lance has to come in to this OTAs, this training camp, this preseason, and really unfortunately have to reprove he can be the guy to say hey let me steal some of that Brock uh, Purdy thunder that he had last year and bring it over to my side um but the good thing about this is is that no longer is there an issue of well you know the mechanics have to get fixed those are fixed now Jeff Christensen the quarterback coach he worked with who worked alongside Patrick Mahomes as well discussed that what you would expect a quarterback to take four months took Trey Lance two days to get right. What, while Lance did need some time, basically what he did was say, hey, watch how Mahomes does this and emulate it. And Lance caught on to that really quick. He said he's an incredibly bright person, which we already knew that, but the work ethic is Mahomes-like. Doesn't mean it's Mahomes-esque, but it's Mahomes-like. And so I do think that Trey Lance coming into this year, there are no more excuses of, hey, the mechanics are messed up, give him time. Your time is running out. But thankfully, this is like this OTAs, this training camp is simply go out there and play. Your mechanics are fixed, or should be at least. Your mechanical issues no longer exist. Go out there and just play football. Show your team, the front office, Kyle Shanahan, and to a lesser extent, the fans, hey, I can still do this thing. I'm not damaged goods. I'm okay. And with no mechanical issues reportedly being an issue still, or at least them being fixed to the ninth degree, not the tenth, the ninth degree, Trey Lance is in a good position to just have to go out there and play football. And when he's been on the field in college and in very short spurts in the NFL, he's shown he can do that at a passable level. Passable level now three years into your contract that should be higher hopefully coming into this year he can prove it is far beyond what we've seen the last of trey lance and so he's number five and before i go to number four i want to give you an honorable mention and i said i'd give you six i'm just going to give you seven here but i'm going to combine them into two so trey lance is five your honorable mentions are ross dwelly and charlie warner and the reason why I put both them together, because San Francisco drafted two tight ends this year, and Warner and Dwelly were both surpassed on the depth chart last year by Tyler Croft. Now, I know how we ended with him. Uh, didn't make fans pleased, didn't make myself pleased at times, but San Francisco has basically come out and said, we need an overhaul at the tight end position, not including George Kittle. We have tight end number one. We have our star tight end. We do not, we need to improve the backup tight end position. And I think San Francisco set out to do so. Now, 
I prefer Braden Willis over him by far. Willis, to me, can come in and be your tight end number two behind or, or, or over Dwelly and Warner and obviously Cam Latu. But if you're drafting two tight ends, you are expecting at least one of them to make the roster. And if you're carrying five tight ends, four tight ends, which I don't think is likely, I would assume it's going to be Kittle, Willis, and probably a Warner over a Dwelly or a Law 2. I can easily see, like, if they're going to keep four tight ends, it'll be Law 2 in the backup role, right? Like the very end of the rotation, you know, special teams guy with someone like Warner and Willis. But I can even argue the guys they drafted in Willis and Law 2 might make people like Dwelly and Warner redundant, where Willis and Latu can come in and just supplement them instantly with a little more upside, uh, maybe not as refined as a player, but can give them some more versatility. Like, look at where Ross Dwelly has played a, a lot of his time, or at least when he's seen small spurts, it's either been at tight end number two behind Kittle or at that weird fullback hybrid position when Juszczyk's been hurt. Well, you have Braden Willis now. So mark off Ross Dwelly. Like it is going to be imperative for people like Dwelly and Warner to come in and essentially prove they deserve a roster spot. So I have Trey Lance five. I don't think he's getting cut. I don't think he's getting traded. I have all the hope in the world. He comes in and balls out in the OTAs, in the training camp. But I do have genuine concern for players like Ross Dwelly and Charlie Warner, if they don't get it together, San Francisco has already drafted their replacements this past season. Moving on to number four. I think many fans would want this player at number one, but I'll explain to you why I do not have him that high on my list. Number four is Javon Kinlaw. And I know since 2020, he was supposed to, you know, replace DeForest Buckner. That didn't happen. He had knee injuries coming in to his rookie season in San Francisco. Those have not stopped being a problem. I feel like he's hurt every single year. He's missed too much time. And at what point does the team say, okay, look, you literally are damaged goods and you've been, you've had no impact on this team the past four seasons. They already declined his fifth-year option, which makes a ton of sense in the world. Like He has been, if not the biggest bust of that 2020 draft, he has been near the top of that list, knowing who they picked before and after him with Tristan Wirfs and others alongside. Like Javon Kinlaw has to come into camp this year and be, you know, he's not going to be a starter, though, which is the issue, right? Like They went and they have Eric Armstead, obviously, and they went and signed... Javon Hargrave, like, San Francisco is really saying, hey, John Kinlaw, we are not going to be reliant on you getting hurt again. And if you're and if you're hurt, that has screwed us the past couple of seasons on the interior defensive line, but we're not going to have that happen to us ever again. Hargrave, Armstead, those are your inside guys. And really, if you think about it, their defensive line could be at least depth-wise, could be very deep, not even including Javon Kinlaw. So you have Hargrave and Armstead, those are your starters. Then you have Kevin Givens, who has starting experience. Kerry Hyder, 
has, you know, he's a veteran player, been here for a while now in San Francisco. This is his second stint here. He knows the system. He knows where to be and when to be there. He's a veteran guy who can help players like T.Y. McGill, who was a great find late in the season last year when guys like Kinlaw kept getting hurt down the stretch. And even someone like Kalia Davis, who didn't play at all last year. Like, now he's back off the pup list. He's supposed to be healthy. Like, Kinlaw may... Like, if Kinlaw gets hurt once in OTAs in training camp, like, there's a good chance he starts the season on the pup list and or just cut out right. Now, I know money comes into factor here, but if I'm San Francisco or if I'm Javon Kinlaw, I'm sitting here saying, look, I, like, more, more than any other year in the past... I have to have the best OTAs, best training camp of my career, or my or I'm going to get cut, traded, and at that point, I may never find a job again. The upside is there. He's a big, hulking, bruising player that really didn't have his feet under him when he came back last year against the Eagles and didn't do much because of the injuries he's had. It feels like every time he goes under the knife, he gets worse and weaker and weaker. This is Javon Kinlaw's opportunity to say, look, I know I have not been the player you thought I was going to be when you picked me 13th overall. I know that. But I can still be, you know, somewhat of an impact player for you. I, I, I can actually provide value for you on the field, whereas in the past couple of years, he hasn't. So I have Kinlaw number four simply because just on paper, I know there's so many things that don't count towards on the paper, <laughs> but on paper, Javon Kinlaw lines up to be their fourth best interior defensive lineman when healthy, and I can argue on a certain day he might be better than Kevin Givens, so simply based on that, I do think he can make the roster. I do think him being a third, a fourth interior defensive lineman helps. There's no pressure on him when it comes to, hey, you are likely not going to start over a player like Armstead or Javon Hargrave. But for him, it's about reproving he can actually be, you know, a player on the field for San Francisco. Actually saying, hey, look, when I'm healthy, and I actually am healthy now, I can actually provide something for you of value. Now, number three, and I think this player has a really good chance to get cut this year, and that is Demetrius Flanagan Falls. And I like DFF. I think he's a good player. He's a really good special team linebacker. That's really where his only value is. And like he's not going to be a Mike linebacker. That's or that's Fred Warner, and that is Oren Burks as the backup. But really, what this comes down to is DFF has arguably the least upside between guys they have drafted or signed in previous years. Last year, it was Marcelino McCrary Ball. He had a really good training camp and a really good preseason, but there wasn't enough room on the roster for him. And this year, it's D. Winters. And I can even argue Jalen Campbell's in that Brown, you know, kind of in that boat too. And so you have three linebackers San Francisco has sitting there saying, hey, look, our upside's higher. We can actually be a special teams player and maybe even start if something crazy happens, like Warner goes down or Dre Greenlaw goes down, and DFF really, just by default, if he doesn't show his worth come OTAs and training camp and say, look, they may have more value starting-wise or being a backup-wise, but I am so freaking good at special teams, you cannot cut me. And don't forget, 
They released him this offseason and then re-signed him to a smaller contract. They already have told him, hey, you were not worth what we were paying you. You're worth less than what you were last year to us when it comes to the numerical value of your contract. DFF could easily be cut if players like D. Winters and Jalen Campbell and McCurry Ball have a really good OTAs in the training camp where they say, look, your ceiling is so much lower where we can take a hit somewhere on special teams while we develop players like Winters, who really is already a good special teams players, and McCurry Ball and Campbell, who have higher upside on our defense. So he's number three on my list. Number two, and this one simply comes down to the talent at that position has already surpassed where this player is. So last year, San Francisco came in to training camp and OTAs with Elijah Mitchell, who eventually got hurt in training camp and OTAs. Then you had Jeff Wilson Jr., and you had Jordan Mason, and you had Trey Sermon, and you had Ty Davis Price. And at times, Ty Davis Price looked like the number two running back in that group. It eventually became Mitchell and Wilson, and then Ty Davis Price got some playing time early in the year when Mitchell got hurt. But last year, we saw San Francisco say, hey, Trey Sermon, you ain't getting it. You ain't cutting it. We want to trade you. They eventually cut him. And this year, I could see something similar happening to Ty Davis Price. It could be the second consecutive training camp in OTAs where we do see a former third-round pick get cut or traded simply because the rest of the roster has passed them by. Or in Ty Davis Price's uh, camp, he really hasn't done much. Like, he is really, you know, he's closer to Trey Sermon than he is Elijah Mitchell. Like, he's closer to Trey Sermon, who has really never done anything in his NFL career, than he is guys like Jordan Mason and guys who have no money tied to them. Like, if you're San Francisco, would you rather keep a guy who has less money on his contract that has, I don't want to say a higher value, but could do something very similar to Ty Davis Price, like, for example, Ronald DeWaite and Caitlin LeBourne, like, <laughs> San Francisco has really put themselves in a position where they don't even need TDP anymore. And let's not forget, Elijah Mitchell was going to be healthy, hopefully cross your fingers. Jordan Mason, year two, he played some okay snaps last year, so it's the potential, and obviously, the elephant in the room is Christian McCaffrey. Like, acquiring Christian McCaffrey... Not only was that San Francisco saying, hey, the guys we drafted, TDP, Trey Sermon, obviously he was cut before they got McCaffrey, but like those guys, we have no faith in them. They have done nothing for us. They really do not have value. McCaffrey is so good that, of course, he'd make any running back feel like, hey, they had less value than him. But San Francisco essentially said, we are tired of getting no impact from our running game. We need this to succeed. Let's go out there and get, what, the number one, number two running back in football behind Derrick Henry, maybe? Like, San Francisco really has said, Chris McCaffrey, you're our guy, and Elijah Mitchell's number two, with Jordan Mason number three, and then two undrafted free agents sitting there saying, like, hey, we can do what TDP does. And TDP's like, I haven't even been able to show what I can do yet but you're not going to be able to get reps behind McCaffrey and Mitchell. Like, this really is a year where I could see them saying, look, 
It's two third-round picks in a row at running back. We were trying to find a guy for us. Now we have Christian McCaffrey. We don't really need you anymore. If they can get a fifth-round pick back or a sixth-round pick back post, you know, week two of the preseason, I can easily see that happening. He'll be a camp body for a little bit unless he proves otherwise. But I, I could see San Francisco saying, look, there is just no room for you on this roster. Kind of his price, I'm sorry, Third-round picks, unfortunately, don't matter when you can't do much. You are Trey Sermon 2.0. Now, again, I hope all these guys prove me wrong. I hope Kinlaw balls out. I hope Flanagan Fowles balls out. I hope Trey Lance balls out. I hope Ty Davis Price forces his hand. And this is the only way I could see them keeping him is, one, he has a good camp. Obviously, it's a given. But two, if Elijah Mitchell's injuries continue to pile up, like, you cannot go into a year saying, hey, Christian McCaffrey, who has had his own injury history himself, Elijah Mitchell, who was hurt almost all of last season, missed the NFC Championship game because he got hurt, and then Jordan Mason. Like, you cannot go into a season with that much injury history and not being honest with yourself. So if someone goes down, I can see TDP making the roster, but that doesn't account for guys like Ronald Waite and Caitlin LeBourne this showing off and shining where we've seen guys like, again, Jeff Olson Jr. and Jordan Mason do that over and over and over again. Like Kyle Shanahan has an affinity for keeping undrafted guys over a player like TDP who, despite being a third-round pick, has shown absolutely nothing in his very, very, very small sample size. And before we get to number one, before we dive into our number one player that I think could and likely will either get cut or traded during OTAs, on training camp, or this preseason. I want to tell you, the NFL schedule has released. We discussed it last week, but I want to tell you, if you want to go to OTAs, training camp, you want to go to any game this year, you are going to want to use our promo code 40 Niners access. If you're watching on YouTube, it's in the top left-hand corner right here where my finger is. I'm pointing to it right now. But if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcast, our promo code 49ers access at SeatGeek.com. 49ERSACCESS. You can save yourself $20 off your first purchase at SeatGeek.com. Look, things are expensive now. Gas is crazy high still. Eggs cost a billion dollars. Getting to a stadium like Levi Stadium, parking is just out the freaking wazoo. And if you can save money in any form or fashion, that's a win for myself and for you as well. Use our promo code 49ersaccess at SeatGeek.com. Save yourself $20 off your first purchase. Also, if you want to support the show and you want to get your gear, if you want a you know, Jair Brown jersey or a Ronnie Bell jersey or a Braden Willis jersey. Heck, if you want a Chris McCaffrey and Trey Lance jersey, a Brock Purdy jersey, go to our link right here in the top right-hand corner, fanatics.com, or in the description below. You can buy some merch and support the show in the meantime. Okay, back to our final number one player that I think has the highest chance of getting cut or traded this OTAs, this training camp, or this preseason. Now, I'm sure you can figure this out by, you know, process of elimination here. 
and it is cornerback Ambry Thomas. And so it's funny with Thomas because in 2021, he ends the season so strong. I mean, he he got the game-clinching interception against the Rams in what, week 18. Like, he really was a hero in Niners history at that point. There's a big picture of him screaming and yelling. He, he, he's the ball in his hand. Like, Ambry Thomas was a shining or, or, or was a bright spot on the defense of like, wow, this kid's young. He's getting experience. And then once that playoff game against the Rams came back at SoFi Stadium in the NFC title game, ever since then, it's been downhill. I know it was a bad game for the cornerbacks, but it did seem like that was the start of this downward trend for Ambry Thomas. Last year comes into camp, and I don't know if it was a bad, you know, off-season regimen for him, but it seemed like Kyle Shanahan and the defensive minds over there in San Francisco just fell out of love with Ambry Thomas. Yes, he had a start out of, you know, need in 2021 with Verrett, you know, being hurt, but <laughs> Ambry Thomas really became, you know, in the doghouse. We talk about how receivers are in Kyle Shanahan's doghouse. He really was in the doghouse for almost the entirety of the season. And so he comes into camp. San Francisco's like, hey, look, Mosley's healthy. We got Mooney Ward back. And those were our two starters. So they already told Amory Thomas, hey, you are not going to be a starter in 2022. He comes into camp, has really taken a step back. Guys like Lenore and Womack have better off-season programs, have better OTAs, have better training camps and preseasons. And Thomas is like, I don't know what to do. Like, I, what am I doing wrong? And at that point, it was too late. He was not going to see playing time. He was already cornerback number five on the depth chart when you just count him one, two, three, four, five. And I can argue at times with the hope last year midseason that Verrett could come back he was cornerback number six. Like, that's when conversations of, hey, should they trade Ambry Thomas? Could a team, like, at that point, the Lions or, you know, the Vikings, could they use some cornerback depth, a young guy that has some potential to help them out? Those trade rumors started then because people thought, okay, look, you like, sixth men on the depth chart usually don't play. And Dante Johnson was still healthy. Like, <laughs> there was good reason to believe Ambry Thomas was not going to be on this roster, you know, whether it was midseason last year or coming into this season. But now it's coming into this year where, you know, he is nowhere near the starting cornerback conversation. He is not going to unseat Mooney Ward. Lenore was great down the stretch. You have guys like Isaiah Oliver, free agent signing from the Falcons. Daryl Luter is a, a, a rookie this year. And then you have Womack, who's back this year, who they like at special teams, who already has his role kind of carved out for him. And if he improves, could in some way, somehow, be the fifth cornerback on the depth chart. That, that, that's five guys. Who else is he keeping? Like... They have a ton of guys that are safety cornerback hybrids, guys like Quantrez Knight and, and Miles Hartfield. Like, this really could be the end of the line for Embry Thomas in San Francisco. Now, look, that doesn't mean he doesn't come out here and ball out and just goes freaking nuts. And I hope he does. But if you look at where he struggles, or at least has struggled in the past, 
it's not getting any easier for him. He's a he's a man coverage guy, and I know that Steve Wilkes does love man coverage cornerbacks, but they got five guys or four guys ahead of him that aren't just more skilled, but also more experienced. Mooney Ward, really good in man coverage. Daryl Luter, really good in man coverage. Isaiah Oliver, he's fine, but he has experience. Like, this is a, really is for Henry Thomas of like, look, I have to look at myself in the mirror and say, I might be the seventh or eighth guy on the depth chart. I really might be. How can I change that? Is it maybe trying to learn safety? Is it trying to be a better special teamer? Because right now you are not starting over Mooney Ward. You're not starting over Lenore. You're not starting over Luter. And you're not starting over Oliver. Like, Ambry Thomas really is kind of a one-trick pony. And I can argue that in the division they play in with, you know, Lockett and Metcalf and now Jackson Smith and Jigba, you have Cooper Cup and you also have Hopkins and you have, you know, plenty of other players over there in Arizona who aren't very good, obviously. But, <laughs> but still, like... What the Niners need at cornerback isn't necessarily what Avery Thomas provides. And if he comes in again, has a bad camp, is in the doghouse once again, the financial liability to him is not high. This could easily be his last season in San Francisco. I hope he thrives. I want to see him push guys like Womack and fight to get back in that starting role. But from an offset... On May 22nd, 2023, day one of OTAs, it does not feel like Ambry Thomas has, you know, a really good chance to make this roster in San Francisco. It does feel like this could be his final stand to say, hey, look, let me, like, like, like I can do this, but he may have to kind of find ways to kind of wiggle around, whether it's being safety and being a better special teams player, because there doesn't seem like a role for him inside that five six-man depth chart at cornerback currently but we we shall see what happens again five to number one five trey lance four javon kenlaw three demetrius flanagan falls two ty davis price and one ambry thomas with charlie warner and ross dwelly as our honorable mentions of course otas tomorrow hopefully Hopefully, I can get a podcast out for you every single day I'm at OTAs. I'm not going to promise anything, but I will say OTAs are a fun time. I want to show you. I want to tell you what I'm seeing at OTAs whenever I go, whether it's Trey Lance or it's TDP. Maybe Ambry Thomas has an amazing practice. What rookies are shining on the field? I want to bring that to you once again. You can use our promo code 40 Niners access at SeatGeek.com. Save yourself $20 off your first purchase at SeatGeek.com. Use our link at Fanatics.com. Buy yourself some gear. Support the show. In the meantime, you can also follow us on social media at 49ers.access is the Instagram. 49ers underscore access is the Twitter. Don't forget to leave a like, share, subscribe, leave that review whether it's on youtube whether it's on you know spotify or apple Podcasts. thank you for listening thank you for watching and until next time stay faithful